guys are coming from all over the country. Like that's, they're dedicated, like they're, they're into the job. And that's the type of people that I want to hang out with, have a couple of beers, smoke a cigar with them, talk training. Um, and maybe in a the junkyard, they'll show me something. Job Talks podcast members and guests are not representative of any department, organization, or city. This episode of Job Talks podcast is brought to you by Fortified Leather. Fortified Leather is a firefighter-owned and family-run business by Nathan Welch. Nathan spent some time with Cal Fire and is now on the job in Selma, California. We've built a great relationship with Nathan and his business, and we're thrilled to have him back to sponsor another season. Fortified Leather produces high-quality, handmade leather products that are designed with firefighters in mind. From radio straps and flashlight holsters to axe belts and a whole lot more, Nathan puts out an amazing product. I can tell you I've had some fortified leather gear on my turnout for a while now, and I've gotten to put it to use. I absolutely stand behind the products Fortified Leather makes. So if you're in the market for some gear or want to know more, head over to fortifiedleather.com. You can also find them on social media as Fortified Leather, or you can check out our episode number 53, where we brought them in to talk Cali firefighting and leather work. So go give them a follow and a like, check out a shop, and let's keep supporting firefighter and family-owned businesses. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Will here from Job Talks Podcast. Welcome back to another episode. Today, we have Tim Papp in the house. Tim, welcome. Well, thank you very much. I uh, appreciate you having me on. It's uh, quite the honor to be on uh, to talk with you today. So I yeah, really appreciate uh, I'm it. Pretty, I'm pretty excited. Um, a few things to talk about, but we got Rescue Weekend coming up, and we're going to hit that at the end. But uh, Pretty excited to to talk about that. So, um, real quick, bio on you. You uh, started in 1996 in South Windsor. Yes, sir. So, 1996, I started as a, uh, a junior member, which is our Explorer Post in South Windsor. Uh, South Windsor actually has the, uh, I believe, the oldest Explorer Post in the state of Connecticut. And even before that, I was born and raised around the firehouse. My father was a member in South Windsor for a very long time. So, I grew up uh, between. South Windsor and my father in the military, I was always around firehouses. So my fire service career, I think, started when I was pretty young. But yeah, 96, yeah. I joined as, as a junior here in South Windsor. What, uh, what did your dad do in the military? Uh, crash rescue. He was a firefighter. Well, he started in the Army. Uh, he was in active duty Army for four years. He drove a tank. He was actually over in uh, Germany and guarded the Berlin Wall. And uh, oh, wow. Tom Clancy actually dedicated a book to his uh, to his Calvary. Uh, if you look up, I forgot oh, the name cool. of the book. But yeah, he was there. He drove a tank for four years. He tells me all the time we talk about, I can drive a lot of stuff. He tells me all the time I'll never drive a tank. So he, he holds that over <laughs> me a lot. So but yeah, he's got some pretty cool stories and pictures from back uh, when he was in Germany. He was in Germany during the Vietnam War. So he was over there. Wow, the wow that's awesome. Um, dads always have to like hold one over on you, right? They can never let you, can never let you fully have it. Oh, absolutely. Like every time I bring up, like I, I'm, I'm a career guy. I made it to the rescue. I'm a captain in a career job. He always goes, well, you didn't, you never, you never fired a gun out of a tank. So I'm going to take that. <laughs> Thanks, cool. dad. Yeah. I love you too. Yeah. I yeah. Appreciate it. yeah. Um, so, uh, you worked your way up through South Windsor. So that's a volunteer department, right? Yes, sir. Yep. 100% volunteer. Um, like I said, started in 96. Uh, and when I turned 18 in 2000, I joined as a full-time member. And I'm currently uh, the deputy chief of training in uh, special operations in, in South Windsor. And then uh, at some point you went to, uh, you got hired on in New Haven as well. Yep. Uh, 2008, I got hired in New Haven. Uh, Currently the captain of Rescue One, one of the captains on Rescue One. Uh, graduating the academy, I went to Engine 10. I was there for a few years, and then I got extremely lucky. Uh, pretty young in my career, I got to go to Squad One. It was right at the tail end of the New Haven 20 lawsuit. 
And a lot of those guys who got promoted came from the squad. So they were pretty, the ranks in the squads were low. So having uh, hazmat tech and some other certifications from my time in the Connecticut National Guard, I was I got the opportunity to slide over to the squads. Was there for a while until I made lieutenant. Uh, when I made lieutenant, I, I slid to Florida Engine 8, which is in the same house as the squads. Uh, very short time as lieutenant, captain's test came up. Took that, and then I slid the floor right back to squad one as the captain. And then when they closed the two squad companies and they opened a the rescue, I had the uh, the opportunity to be one of the captains on the rescue. So you guys do have lieutenants. Um, how do you run multiple captains? So we do things that are very different than a lot of other jobs. Where a lot of jobs will have one captain and like three lieutenants per uh, company. Yeah. Ours is more the house. So the rescue currently in New Haven has four captains assigned to it. Oh, wow. The senior captain is the house captain. And then yep. the engine in the house has four lieutenants assigned to it. The double houses with an engine and a truck, the captains are, all four captains are assigned to the truck company, and the engines have uh, four lieutenants. And then a single house with just a single engine will have one captain and three lieutenants. Definitely, uh, we definitely little different than most places do it, but it definitely works. It works for us. So, so you, so you're pretty much always in a double house, have a captain and a lieutenant working. It's kind of the idea. Almost always, unless it's uh, they're short staff and overtime, they couldn't get a covering officer, a captain or lieutenant. They will allow captains to either work down or they'll allow a lieutenant to work up in a captain spot. But it's very rare. So yes, there's always a captain, lieutenant, and a double house working. Most interesting yeah that's definitely different than, than yep. how we do it up here so we always we always have like one captain uh yeah. per company so and i don't think routinely that they work on the same shifts so you could have you'll have two shifts that have a captain and a lieutenant in the house and then you'll have a couple shifts that just have two lieutenants in the house for that for that shift or whatever the case is yeah um, i think i think we're really the only ones that i know of that actually do it that way like uh, i know nobody else can make hartford bridgeport None of those places do it. Obviously, FDNY, talking to those guys. Uh, it seems like we're the only ones that do it. Um, it works for us. Uh, I yeah. always kind of say you have more guys at higher ranks making a little bit more money, so it's nice. But yeah. it's it's always worked for us. So Interesting. What is uh, what, what does New Haven run? Like, what's your, uh, what's your daily staffing? How many trucks do you guys run? So our daily staffing is 72 per shift. Uh, we have 10 engines, four trucks, the heavy rescue, uh, three paramedic units. Uh, three chiefs on duty, and then we have a unit called SOC One, which is like a uh, incident management team. They run the tablets and all this, the uh, like the command and control stuff at a uh, at major incidents. Um, yeah. Our trucks, we have two tillers, uh, rear mount stick, nice. uh, soften mid mount that we have an aeroscope on order that hopefully will arrive before I retire. And then um, when we closed the two squads, we picked up a uh, third paramedic unit that was part of the agreement with the city that. To get the heavy rescue, they would open a third paramedic unit. Oh wow! So, so your paramedic units run. So you guys run three of your own ambulances? No, they're they're all they're all on fly cars. Um, oh, okay, cool. We have AMR in a the city. They do transport, and Mercy One, Two, and Three are all in uh, Chevy Suburbans running around the city. So, is that like a stepping stone? Like, do you come on and kind of the, as you're new, you hit that, and then you uh, step up? Or are those guys strictly paramedics, or people actually want to be there? Um, no, like you got to sign, like you, you come on the job as a paramedic, you know, you're going to ride the paramedic unit. Like right now they're currently hiring. They're looking for paramedics or taking lateral transfers. Yeah. Uh, they just extended the application process. So if anybody's looking to become a paramedic in a busy city, come to New Haven. Um, 
So they, they do a rotation. Usually each house has a few paramedics assigned to it and they rotate around. They do a few weeks off, a few weeks on. Um, and then usually the, the, the driver is usually an EMT um, and they're kind of a rotation. If there's an opening in the firehouse for overtime, guys know you're going to get stuck on a paramedic unit most, most of the time. Right. Yeah, guys coming on, if you're a paramedic coming on New Haven, you know you're going to ride a unit. And they have a 10-year uh, agreement. They have to keep their paramedic for 10 years. But they're allowed to work overtime on the engines, the trucks. Uh, they can take the same promotional opportunities as the rest of us. So there's right. a few guys who are really smart guys came on. They took the first promotional opportunity they could, and they, they studied really hard. And they, they got themselves off the unit by uh, promoting up to the ranks. So. Oh, wow. That's interesting. Um, <clears throat> so you are the captain there and you are the chief, uh, in New Haven and you're in charge of training. Yes. Yep. So yeah, chief in South Windsor, captain in New Haven, charge of training in South Windsor. Okay. How did you, did you like fall into that role or is that something that you wanted to do? Like how, how does, um, how does South, South Windsor run as far as like your staffing being a volunteer? Uh, so our staffing for volunteers, so obviously, right, we're not staffed during the day. Um, so every truck in the, in the town has an officer assigned to it. And unlike a lot of other places, our officers are not elected. So everybody from our junior members up to the deputy chiefs have to take it written. They take an oral board and then they get assigned on a list. So we do it kind of the same way the career world does it. We do not elect yeah. our officers. We've never done it. Uh, we will never do it. I don't believe in it. Um, and the town has never believed in it. So I think that's pretty good that we do that. It makes yeah. you guys kind of prove that they know what they're doing. You're not just getting it because your buddies all like you. Popularity um, honestly, contest or whatever. Yeah. If it was an election, I'd probably be voted out at this point. Uh, right. <laughs> the people that don't like me would probably vote me out. Uh, hey, guys. Just here to ask you to head over to patreon.com slash job talks. That's patreon.com slash J-O-B-T-L-K-S and take a look at our page. We decided to start a Patreon account to help fund producing the podcast. For as little as a dollar a month, you can join as one of our subscribers and help support us through the endeavor. We look forward to being around for the long haul, bringing on good guests, putting on good shows, and putting out good training. So we ask you to head over, consider joining our subscription, and help us out. Thanks so much. Um, so we have obviously the chief. Uh, we have one assistant chief. Uh, we have, I believe, uh, four, four deputy chiefs. And then we have a few staff captains, a few staff lieutenants. And then the training division is myself. Uh, I have a captain, uh, Jared Pelletier. I have a lieutenant, Danny Zen, who are all on the rescue weekend committee. They're all, you know, I think you've met Danny possibly before. Um, so getting into training, my father growing up was always a training officer in South Windsor for most of my life. I think when I joined, he was the captain up at Station 2. And then when he made chief, he got assigned back to the training division. So I've always been around training. And I've always had an interest in it. I think it's one of the most important aspects of the fire service. So like me yeah, and my absolutely. father in the beginning were the only two people ever hold the car number of car 29. My dad had it first. And then after a while, it hadn't been used. And I requested it when I got made captain. And then all of our training officers have nine numbers. So we, we kept that within training. So I That's think just cool. growing, growing up with training, like me and my brother used to go to drills with my dad all the time. Growing up in the early 80s and, and 90s, they were still burning down acquired structures left and right. So that was really cool as a young kid to go hang out with my dad. And um, actually, it's kind of funny that my father and John Zen were in a training division together for a very long time. And now myself and Danny Zen are in a training division together. So it's kind of like the uh, 
second generation of the Pappen's End running training in the uh, South Indian Fire Department. It was pretty yeah. cool. So, yeah. I, I, I had, had a conversation with uh, with Chief Lieb, and he talked about that, like, training lineage. And uh, sometimes it's, like, in-department, in-house, in-family kind of thing, and then how it how it extends out. And that's that's pretty cool to have uh, to have you guys doing that. Yeah, it, it definitely is. And it's um, I think we're very lucky that the three of us in the training division all are career guys outside of South Windsor. So we're bringing um, we're bringing our experiences from three different very uh, career towns in Connecticut. And we're all in the training. I go to classes with these guys all the time. Uh, yeah. So it's but you chief to leave is right. Like it's my father pounded into me and my brother from a very young age of how important training was to this job. Being a volunteer organization, we weren't running fires. We're not that busy. So we really had to understand how important training was. Like, I think I was listening to one of your past podcast members, and he said it, um, busy jobs, it's easy to understand why you need training. Slower departments, you have to almost create that culture of why training is important. So um, it was nice growing up, learning from my father at a young age and just kind of carrying on some things he did, changing it up a little bit. So, yeah, I think that's I think that's really true i think you don't know what you don't know and trying to especially like i'm not i i have never worked in a volunteer department but i imagine like trying to relate your experiences working in a busy city i mean like you don't actually understand that they these things can happen and do happen and trying to like get people in a slower job or a volunteer house to understand that can be really hard because they only understand what they see so um before i was on in cambridge i was on a slower department And I felt like that was, you know, a lot of like paramedic training and like it was easy. But then when it got to the fire training, we obviously had some guys who were really great, but it was hard to like convince people like, hey, we need to understand this, too, just because it doesn't happen very often doesn't mean it's not going to happen. Right. Yeah. You know, and and I see it both uh, working in a larger city and then volunteering in a small town. You you have the, the people, no matter where you go, who don't who don't care about training. Right. And then who may be there, like in the career world, you have people who are there just because it's a paycheck and it's a job and, yep. and they're going to do the bare minimum. And then in the volunteer side of it, you unfortunately have the guys who are probably there to get the T-shirt and, and have the blue lights and, and act like they want to be firemen when I don't know they truly do or they truly are capable of doing it. And I know some people look down on volunteers sometimes as that, but. Really, I think I think people like the idea of being a fireman. Like they like the idea of it, the theory of it. You know what I mean, and not actually necessarily the the work that goes into being good at it. Yeah, and I've kind of learned like some people. I think when they join us, they don't understand what it takes to do this job as a volunteer. Like they don't understand the commitment that you're going to be giving to the town. They don't understand the time it's going to take away from their families regardless of career or volunteer, I mean, we're still required to meet all the standards. I still have to send people to fire right. one. They move up to fire two. We have to do all that. It's a lot of hours to become certified to be able to do this job and still have the same dangers, I mean, without a paycheck. So I think some people come in and we explain to them early on, hey, this is what it's going to take to do this. And some people is almost like a deer in the headlight look at us. And right. like, oh, I, I did not realize this is what it was. Like, I thought I was going to come and pancake breakfast i don't, I don't know I, I hate i don't know why people i love pancakes but um like <laughs> some people, i don't think they understood what it takes to be a volunteer firefighter and i think some people right. don't even understand what it takes to be a career firefighter like they get into the academy and they're like oh man this is this isn't for me we've had people yeah, leave it wasn't for them we've had people in south winter show up we see them for a little while and then they're just gone like we don't right. know what happened to them 
we're searching and we're we're going after them to get their stuff back. So it's I think it's in both worlds. Do you have people here for the wrong reasons? And people are here for the right reasons. So right. We don't see it too much in the in the Boston area. There aren't a lot of volunteer departments like there are in like Connecticut and New York. Um, there are some call departments uh, around here, but not we don't really see volunteer departments. I think that's like a culture that that like I personally don't get to see very often. Like I feel like I've seen where people that work on call departments outside of their um, outside of their like career departments, and they they get told not to do it because oh, if you get hurt while you're work in the call department or, you know, it's a union issue or whatever the case is. So that I feel like that culture of working volunteer somewhere else is really big when you hit like Connecticut, New York, uh, I've heard like Maryland has a culture like that as well. Like they almost expect you to, to do some, some work at the, the volunteer departments that surround the cities. Yeah, it definitely, even in Connecticut, like if you go through different parts of Connecticut, I think it's pretty mixed on like, there's definitely career departments in Connecticut that there's like a zero tolerance. You're not going to volunteer. You're not going to do anything out of these, out of these walls. And then you talk to other career departments and it's kind of like accepted. Some are like, it's accepted. We just don't want to see it. We don't want to hear about it. And some places just don't care at all. Um, like when I first got hired, um, my Lieutenant was actually the union president. So I had kind of taken a leave of absence for a year from South Windsor just to make sure that I was doing everything I needed to do for New Haven. And I kind of asked him his opinion on it. And his response was like, just be careful. Uh, South Windsor and New Haven are never going to work together. And the big thing he said to me was, don't ever show, put your foot in another town that's got a local in it. And I've maintained that for 16 years. Um, we have a couple of towns around South Windsor that are career departments with the union. And I don't, I don't, I don't cross the, I don't cross the town lines. Um, and then right. I know of other places in the state where they don't care. So it's, right. it's, but then like Long Island, like Long Island was one of them. I swear, like every member of a Long Island volunteer fire department is a member of the FDNY. Right. It's so, almost ex expected yeah. of you yeah. to, to, to volunteer in the, in those places. And, and I understand people's arguments on like, you don't want to get hurt volunteering <laughs> to ruin your, your paid, your career job and the union side of it. Um, and, and I get it. Um, but at the same time, I definitely can. 100% say that working in New Haven, volunteering in South Windsor has benefited me in both departments. New Haven has definitely uh, benefited from South Windsor a little bit. I brought in training props and stuff to my firehouse that we have here. And then South Windsor has definitely benefited from me being in New Haven and, and back and forth. So I get it. Some people are not into it. I'm kind of cool with it. I'm, I'm all right with it. But I definitely don't try to cross the boundaries on it, too. Right. Right. That's understandable. So, yeah. So what is it? What is the. um. What is the training difference between like New Haven and South Windsor? So what do you see? Like, obviously you're at, very actively involved in training yep. for the whole department of South Windsor. And I'm sure, you know, actively involved in, uh, in New Haven as well, but what's like the main difference? So do you, do you see more like scheduled drills, like, like department wide stuff in South Windsor versus like company stuff in New Haven? Is there, is the culture more geared to training than one or the other and obviously i'm not asking you to say something bad about either department but is it is like the culture more geared toward the training on one side or the other or uh, I, I, I think it comes down to the individual like the firehouses in the city even a company's here so for me i believe every company officer training should be a non-negotiable uh, for us i'm also extremely lucky to work in the house that i work in all four divisions of my firehouse with engine eight and the rescue train probably every day. Besides 
Sunday or a holiday, if you show up at Whitney Avenue in the morning or anywhere, um, somewhere in New Haven, you're probably going to find the rescue or engine eight training. And there's a lot of other firehouses in the city that also do the same. All the truck houses, um, some of the single houses, I don't think train as much as the double houses. I will see with the rescue, we're, we're very lucky. I mean, there's always a skill that we can find to train on. And I think the level of commitment with our members in that firehouse are a little higher. So they're in the training. These guys are really into the job. They want to be good firemen. Um, they've already taken so much outside training to get to the rescue. And then right. guys looking to get to the rescue kind of start an engine eight for us. That's like our backup to the rescue. And they're expected to take a certain amount of hours of outside training per year to get there and then move over to the rescue. For South Windsor, um, so we drill every Tuesday night is our department drill nights. Besides the first Tuesday of the month, it's a social meeting, but the rest of the Tuesdays, we are training for two, two, two and a half hours on a Tuesday night, we, we have drill. Um, it's, it's my job to create the training schedule throughout the year. Sometimes it can be a challenge. Um, and I think in a volunteer organization, uh, or regardless anywhere, even in a career department, you have to put somebody in that training position who is dedicated. You yeah. can't just put a person who's accepting of just checking the box. Because I'm sure, as you know, I've been to fires that didn't go well. Um, unfortunately, right. uh, we experienced the line of duty death in New Haven. Uh, we've seen other fires not go well. And if you have a member who's just there to check the box, he's not doing a favor for anybody, whether you're a career department or a volunteer department. So. I think we're very lucky in New Haven that our training division is very squared away. Um, I came on the job with our director of training. He's a very smart guy. The uh, few of the other uh, drill masters and assistant drill masters are very young on a job, but they're very dedicated. One of them came off the rescue company, so we deal with him a lot for training. Um, but they care, and they, they're committed to making the job better. And I can say the same for us in South Windsor, myself, uh, Jared, and Danny are all committed on making the South Windsor Fire Department a better, better organization. And you have to put in a lot of extra work to be good as a training officer. Um, so right. for us, like we spend a lot of time, um, well, our group chat is insane. It's always constant texting back and forth about drill ideas and drill topics, or we'll have a drill. Hey, how did it go? The guys didn't like it for this reason. How could we change it? But we spend a lot of time building props coming up with cool ideas. Um, I don't, I'm not a big classroom training guy. I like to be hands-on with the guys. And I think putting in an extra effort for the department starts to breed that culture of why training is important. If right. you don't have that in yourself, you're never gonna be able to get your members to buy into why training is important. So a, right. a lot of people talk about leading, leading from the front or leading by example. And as a training officer, that starts with yourself. Like, be dedicated, come up with good, good drill topics, make it yeah. interesting, and don't just try to check the box. Like, I'm sure you guys have it in Cambridge. We have it in New Haven. We have it in South Windsor, the online training. Like, right. it has its place. Like, we're doing Bloodborne right now in South Windsor online. And while guys hate it, they understand that it's an hour out of your day. But it allows me to have another night of hands-on training and not all of us sitting in the classroom twiddling our thumbs, listening to somebody tell us, don't touch blood, wear your gloves. So, right. like, yeah, I think there's, I think there's a balance, right? Like, I think you need 
I think you need that online training just to have people engaged on some level for for certain things. But I think that there are certain things that just online training isn't going to cut it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I think online training is good for like giving you maybe ideas and concepts, and then you have to be able to put that into some sort of application for in a hands-on environment to at least for me to to really like be able to understand how things work or why we're doing things, you know? I mean, absolutely. And I'm sure like, I'm sure you guys, like everywhere else during COVID, everything was online training. Oh yeah. They didn't want us together. They didn't want us doing out anything. And let's be honest. What do people do with online training? Click, 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 click. They're probably on their cell phone while they're doing it. Right. So yeah, right. there it is. They're, we're, we're checking a box that we completed what we needed to do. So that's why a lot of it, um, we don't use it for a lot of training for that besides like our mandatory stuff. The other thing that we use it heavily for in South Windsor is we make our own training videos. So Jared is a very talented person when it comes to creating video, videos, editing, all that type of stuff. So like when we get new equipment, we tend to make, we make like four to five minute training videos and we send them out to the department so we can easily have a way for them to refresh on training. Like when we get any new equipment, we do a small training video on it. Uh, we're still going to do hands-on training with it. But we have like a library of training videos that allows our members to be able to go back. And if they have a question on, hey, we just got that VSK controller too for Paratech. I remember Tim talking about it. I remember using it. But how, how does it work? They can go on and, and, and they can look that look at that stuff up. So That's awesome. Yeah. So And we also do the same in New Haven. And I, I kind of took it from New Haven because our training division um, started doing it for a lot of stuff. So we have a gentleman in New Haven. He's uh, currently deployed from the Coast Guard. Uh, I don't know if you call it deployment. He's out in Puerto Rico, probably having a very enjoyable time. But <laughs> he also is very talented when it comes to creating videos and the training videos. So uh, they call it Bobby B Productions. Um, and we nice. used that for a while. It, I saw it's uh, what I thought its importance for training. And again, it can't be a long video. Like um, if you look at some of the the outside guys, like the, the quick tips, uh, Capital City, uh, I believe it's Capital City Training does. Yeah, Capital City Fire. Yeah. Yeah, like even like uh, Ron Smith, like training seconds. Like right. Like, but then you see these other training videos, and they're like twenty minutes long. I mean, I, right. we're all the same, right? After five minutes, you've lost my interest. So right. taking that again, here here's another thing. I, I took something from a career department and brought it to my volunteer department and it's worked for us. So here's, here's another example of two departments helping right. each other out. So and I think, I think the videos come in really handy too, for like, if you're, if you're expanding on training, so say you, you have a topic like forcible entry, right. And you do the basic forcible entry and then the next class is going to be slightly more advanced. Well, we can't every time go back to the basic or we'll never actually get the concepts down of advanced forcible entry. So Hey, if you're unfamiliar, if you didn't get to see it, if you need a refresher, here's a five minute video on the basics of using the irons. And we're going to take that. Now we're going to do it, you know, masked up or low vis or tight quarters or whatever the case is, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And like a lot of us, like when we did these videos in New Haven, it would always follow up with hands on training is coming from the training division. So like we got we uh, we moved back to Seagraves uh, for engines. And they created a um, a training video on how the new engines work, and not and is an easy way for the department, the entire department, to see it. If you weren't assigned to that company, you weren't getting your hands on it like the assigned company was. But it was right. like a five-minute training video on the new controls of the Seagrave engine. The whole department was able to see it, and then they did some hands-on training with the 
guys who are getting assigned to the company. And we try to do the same thing. If we're putting a training video out on whatever new piece of equipment or what we're doing, we're going to do hands-on training with it. But we just, we, we try to keep them short. Like we did a, the last one I think we did was we did a like five minute video on the tower ladders, uh, parapet wall attachment. Uh, it was just a quick video on how to determine parapet walls, looking for like the, the drains and everything. And then a quick video on, on how to set it up and it worked. And then a few months down the road from that, we actually got the guys out there and, and they got their hands on it. And right. people said it was definitely easier for us to understand because we had watched, we had already watched the video. So we had a little bit of a general idea of how this worked and then the hands on just reinforced it. So again, you can't rely on your online video training to be the end all, but I think it definitely helps. Like, I think we have to embrace technology a little bit in the fire service today. Right. So I also think that it, it helps when people know that there's going to be a hands-on evolution afterwards. Right. So yeah. they're not just pencil whipping it to get the credit that they watch the video. Like you watch the video and now you're going to have to go apply it in real life. So at least people who care about not, looking like an idiot are probably going to pay at least a little bit of attention to it so that they they know what they're doing when the hands-on portion comes out oh i agree absolutely yeah <clears throat> yeah so. do you find do you find um do you find it challenging to motivate some people into training and when you have those kind of people do you have like do you have techniques or ideas on how to to motivate them so we talked earlier a little bit about People don't know what they don't know. And sometimes it's hard to motivate them to be like, no, we, you still have to learn this information. What do you, what are your thoughts on how you get people like that more involved? So I think from the beginning, um, you have to set your expectations right away. Right. So like when I got assigned to the rescue, uh, the first day, the whole crew was there. We had a little table, uh, sit down and I set my expectations to the members. Uh, even in South Windsor, um, when I became the chief of training, I set my expectations to the department on what they could expect, what I expected of them and what they could expect of me as their training officer. So I think if you don't do that, again, you talked about you don't know what you don't know. If your right. members don't know your expectations and if they don't understand, like, again, in the career world with company officers, training should be a non-negotiable. There should be no if, and, or buts. Like, my guys know they're coming in Monday through Saturday. We're probably going to train. Uh, and there's days where I might be having an off day or I don't feel good, but I work with the caliber of guys that I'll come downstairs and they'll do it on their own. And I think that's where I think if you're a company officer, if you get to the point where your guys are training on your own, you've, you've probably done something right. Um, yeah. If you guys are willing to train on your own. I have a really good senior man, Mark Gianelli. Uh, I'm very happy to have him. Um, he's a senior member of the rescue company. And when I was off for a few months on injury, it was great to hear from him how he stepped up and he was uh, he was taking over the role of doing training. But there's times where he even kind of nudges me sometimes like, hey, Cap, like uh, we got to get going on training today. And I might be like, hey, I got a bunch of reports to do. Like and he will go handle it and he'll take care of it. And even in the volunteer side, I think it's harder in the volunteer side to motivate some people for training than it is in the career side. And I may be saying that because I'm very lucky to work in the firehouse that I work in. I work a lot of right. overtime and all four shifts on the rescue and all of our four divisions are very motivated guys and they're there for a reason. So 
I guess I don't know. I guess I'm trying to say I don't know how to answer that question on the career side because I've ne I've been extremely lucky in my career. I've always worked in really great assignments. Um, I've never had a bad assignment. I've always had great crews, and they're always motivated crews to do the job. But we're also a busier fire department. So guys right. see the importance of training. They understand it. It's bred into us from the beginning, from probate school up. We see how important training is. I'm not saying there's not other firehouses uh, out there that don't train. Um, I've talked to some of our battalion chiefs, and they have talked about the struggles of trying to get some of uh, the slower companies to train. Um, I've been trying to think about it as well because I'm at that point in my career where I think I'm going to be moving up soon or hopefully moving up to the next rank, rank, rank sorry, uh, studying, uh, looking to take the test for battalion chief. And that's definitely um, something I've been trying to figure out myself because right. it's easy when you work in a motivated company. You come in and they want to train. Um, right. I'm not, I don't know if I have an answer for you um, on the career side. I mean, that's 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 a good thing for you like that's yeah i think that's something that's that's probably fairly rare um for a whole career you know i think i think that when you get into certain companies and groups of people like even like you said if you're having a bad day you have like so much motivation in there that you end up be, being motivated yourself anyway because you just like working with the people like doing what you're doing you know yeah. um so that's that's not a bad problem to have yeah, I've, ne I've never had to figure out at work how to motivate guys to train. I mean, there's definitely times during training I've had to be like, hey, fellas, like th this is important. Like we, we, we got to spend some extra time going over this because we want to make sure we get this right and everything. Right. And I think also the important thing is on motivating guys to breed that culture of training is we talked about setting your expectations, non-negotiables, but we shouldn't be using training as discipline. Um, like if a company makes a mistake, they should be held accountable. But we shouldn't be using training as like a punishment to making a mistake. We need to set the expectations also to them as, hey, listen, this didn't this didn't go well because of X, Y, and Z. We're going to work on X, Y, and Z. This is our training plan, and we're going to get better at this. If you berate guys down and continue just to use training as discipline, you're going to have a hard time motivating guys to be in, in the training. I, I, I think I've seen it where Absolutely. some people have, I've heard horror stories of guys trying to use training as discipline or, or they get upset with their guys because they screwed something up and I don't know if it was handled properly. And then they have a hard time coming back from trying to get guys involved in training. Now, there are definitely times where if you make a significant error, like you're going to end up at the training school. Like when I came on the job, Chief Michael Grant was the chief of the department. And if you made a mistake on the fire ground, you were going to the training school and you were going to work with the training school to make sure it never happened again. We kind of got away from that for a little while. Uh, we have a, a new assistant chief of operations. Um, we're not new. He's been there for a little while. A chief, uh, Danny Coughlin. Um, I think you, you've been lucky enough to see some of the... Um, how we deal with Danny deals with us. Yes. Um, and <laughs> love it. <laughs> it's been reassuring to see that. Like he, right. uh, he doesn't hold anything back. He will tell you exactly what he thinks of you, but he does it in a very almost respectful way. And I think he's, he's very well respected on a job because of that. But if you make an error, he's going to make sure you know about it. And I have seen companies back down at the school to be retrained on whatever didn't go well.
And it's not because they're punishing you. I, I don't think I don't think he's doing it to punish them. He's doing it because it's our job and you need to be good at your job. Um, right. We, we, when we you breathe, I think when you breathe that culture and the reputation that like, I'm not trying to like, I'm not trying to just punish you or like make yeah. your life hard. I'm trying to make sure that we can do this correctly the next time. I think people are receptive to that. And I think they, I think they understand when, when that's your motivation and not just to like punish you, you know? Oh, absolutely. And again, and we, we all do this job because we love it and, and, it, and it's a great job. Like, <laughs> and there's definitely the great times of the downtimes, the, the sitting around, uh, hanging out with the guys nights, like, um, just having a good time. But again, we're, we're farming first. And right. I just saw something on Instagram the other day. Somebody was talking about how like 80% of our calls are EMS now and we're all going EMS. We're all doing it. Right. But we still should understand that we're firemen first where we go to EMS, we load a patient onto the ambulance and we bring it to the hospital to the experts and we drop them off where um, I never really thought about it. But he said, like, when there's houses on fire, we're those experts. So even though that we're not doing the fires that we used to we still need to maintain that we're, we're firemen first and everything else we do is great. Even on the rescue side of it, it's great. I like right. being on a rescue because we get to do so much extra stuff, but we need to remember we're firemen first. And right. I think we're coming back to that on the job in New Haven with, the, with chief Coughlin. Um, but I think the way he does it is respectful. Like it's not, he's not degrading. He's not like coming down on us. Like it's, and I've seen guys who have been, I think, discipline by training and it didn't really it didn't really go well right i, 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 I mean you hear horror me. stories horror stories of you know like you know uh an officer taking their crew out at 10 o'clock at night to go over something because they were mad about how something went you know what i mean and it's not like not constructive maybe that's the word i've been looking for it's not constructive yeah no way like like you're and i've heard those horror stories too like two o'clock in the morning after a box like they screwed up a leg and the officer was so upset that he wanted to lay lines at two in the morning. They're not getting right. anything out of that. They're not just paying anger. attention. They're not, they don't care. They want to get back to the firehouse. That's per, in my opinion, that's a perfect opportunity to get back to the firehouse, tailboard, quick conversation. Fellas, listen, that was not good. Like we, we should know better. We're better than that on days. We're going over this or maybe if, uh, with our schedule, we work three nights, the next night tour, we're going to spend the first hour in the firehouse the next day going over the lays and that's right. i think is an example of where if you use that's like using training as discipline and that that's not not that's not good i don't think yeah yeah like, like you said nobody gets it they just i think if, if anything you actually make it worse because not only do they not get anything from the training now they lose like uh you've heard of leadership capital right you lose leadership capital you lose right. the respect of the people and then and then that just is a, a downslope of that leads to bad you know yeah, and the other thing too is like um, I kind of laugh sometimes because I'll listen to officers um, from all over the place. They'll complain about their crews, like this guy doesn't know how to do this or this guy can't do this. Well, it's your fault. Like you're the company officer. Right. It's your job to make sure your guys know their jobs. So if they screwed up, well, you should own it. They should own it, and you should own it as a company officer. If my guys make right. a mistake on the fire ground, and it's a significant error, right? I can tell you that the bosses are not going to yell at them. They're not going to be mad at them. They're going to be mad at me. And they're going to pull me aside and be like, hey, Cap, like, why, why didn't they know how to do that? Or like, right. so maybe you should be training on that more. 
So I, uh, I, I jokingly say that to my lieutenant a lot. He'll tell me I'm an idiot or something, you know, just joking around. I'll be like, anything I do, good or bad, is just a reflection of you, LT. You know? it, it, listen, it absolutely is. <laughs> um, so when I, I was up, like, uh, I was up in September at the Syracuse Heavy Rescue Conference. And I was on vacation. And I woke up in the morning. And I had all the alerts from the night before. And it was like box alarm, box alarm, box alarm. I was like, oh, man. Like, I hope those weren't all fires. And they were all fires. And then wow. it was like, elevator, elevator, elevator. And I was like, oh, they had a busy night. And then, like, the last one was like, elevator, person fell down, elevator shaft. And I was like, wow, like, they, 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 had, they had a busy night. And for me, as much as I hate the fact that I missed that night, they went to three fires. They went to two significant elevators uh, that, yeah. that, that night. One was they opened a door and the shaft was flooded. <laughs> The other one, a girl drove a cart through the elevator doors. They had to do a rope operation. As much as I hate that I wasn't there, getting text messages and phone calls the next day from other officers who were like, hey, your guys did a phenomenal job. Like, it was awesome to see them work. Right. For me, that's almost just as good as being there. Like, makes makes me really proud that my guys can, they don't, they don't, let's be honest, they don't need me. Like, those guys are squared away. I'm just riding that seat at this point. They they don't they don't they don't need me. They can have any covering officer in that rig, and, and they'll do just as good a job. And that's all four divisions in our firehouse. They're all very squared away guys, because they care. Like if you right. look at the training they're doing, most of these guys are taking training outside of the department. Uh, one of my good friends, uh, when he first got on his job, uh, he told me that somebody told him the only training you're ever going to need is within these four walls. I think that's, that's, I couldn't believe it when he told me that. I was like, absolutely not. Like, right. and we do things very different in New Haven, just like we, like we still have three inch supply line. Like we don't have LDH. So we're dropping right. parallel lines in the street. So yes, we have to learn the New Haven way, but there's a ton of training out there for us to learn outside of the apartment. And there's, I, a, lot of, there's a lot of training that like, there might be a specific way you do things, but like the wise of why you're doing things right. are important. And that's what you can learn. You know what I mean? Like you learn why you need to have a certain water flow or water source right. to do the things that you're doing. And I think that's a good transition. So I was, I was actually going to ask you is like, how do you feel like, how important do you feel that training outside of your department and even, even outside of your like region can be? Cause I think, I think that's another thing too. Like, listen, I, I, Probably I'm not going to go to a conference in California because I'm not made of money, right? But I will go to a conference down in Connecticut or in New York or, or you know, my hometown down in Florida when they do it or whatever. Um, and you see the differences like LDH versus three-inch supply line, whatever the case is. Um, and people do things differently through the country, but I think you gain a lot of perspective. Oh, absolutely. I think outside training is huge. And I have a core group of guys. Um, and they're almost the entire rescue weekend committee that we have been all over the country training together. I think the farthest we've been uh, with them, we went to the into the job symposium out in uh, Wichita. That was fantastic. I've been down in Houston uh, with Dan Gordon for uh, lifting training. We did a lifting class down there. I like training. I like getting out there and hearing different way guys are doing it. Like, like, there's the New Haven way, and like everywhere else, I'm sure like we think the New Haven way is the way, but it's not the right. only way. So right. I like getting out there and seeing how different places do things, and maybe we can bring something back to our job and be like, hey, listen, like I was out in Texas, and 
they set up their paratech struts like this. Maybe that'll work for us. And if we right. try it and it may not work for us, but I think outside training is huge because you can't just rely on your training within your department. And right. I'm very lucky being a volunteer that we have an extremely big training budget. I don't think I have paid for a training class ever in my life. Everywhere I've wow. ever gone, like South Windsor, we pay for everything. Um, New Haven recently has started uh, paying for outside training, which I think is fantastic as well. For a while, it was like, they, I felt like they only cared about EMS training. They were paying for a lot of that. But the uh, new administration has been authorizing a lot of outside training classes, guys taking um, outside training classes and stuff. So I think that's very, very important because, like you said, you're going to learn a different perspective. Um, yeah. Like the Syracuse Heavy Rescue Conference, like I was very lucky to be up there teaching the lifting class, and there were guys from all over the country. And not only as an instructor, um, well, it was cool as an instructor for guys. There was guys from Florida there, from Orlando. And we were going over stuff, and they were like, hey, like we've done it this way. Could we try it? In every class I've ever taught, I usually try to make sure I pick up something from the students. Because right. I'm not an expert in anything that I do. And that's one of the reasons I like teaching so much is because it keeps me, uh, I think, a little more squared away with the equipment. Yep. And I like, it, I like interacting with students from all over the place, whether it's I'm taking a class or I'm teaching a class to hear how guys are doing stuff different in other parts of the, of the country. So, right. yeah, I think it's, uh, it's important. I think it's important to get out of your, get out of your state, um, get out of your area, um, but still support all the local training going on in, uh, around you. Um, I think it was uh, Chief Rhodes uh, from Fire Engineering uh, just wrote an article or recently about supporting your local training conference. Uh, yeah. I didn't get the opportunity to read it yet, um, but that's 100%. Like, there's so much training out there, whether it's like the you guys in Mass have the Mass Fire Academy in Connecticut. We have the Connecticut Fire Academy. They just uh, released um, a big training seminar for the 30th anniversary where they're doing 30 classes uh, for free uh, to oh, celebrate wow. the uh, 30 years. But there's a ton of private companies out there also that are offering great training. There's like Connecticut almost has too many of them, but right. there's a lot of really good training out there to get your hands on stuff. And I've taken, even as the captain of the rescue, I've taken a basic education class. I actually, it was, uh, it was put on by the New England Fools. Um, it was up in, I forgot where in Massachusetts it was. It was a fun day, cutting up cars, hanging out with guys. And I definitely picked up something from the class. Like right. I'm registered for the, uh, leadership under fire class, um, that Jason Bresner does. Um, yep. so I'm doing the online, like two and a half month long, um, officer development program. And I'm very much looking forward to that. Um, again, I was lucky that my volunteer department is going to pay for it for me. So, but I'm hoping to take something from that that'll make me a better officer. And okay. then if I do move up to that battalion chief role, it'll help me with expectations of how my company officers should be uh, should be performing. Yeah. So, but yeah, I think outside training is cool. It's fun. Yeah. So two 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 things from that. One is um, you mentioned like trying to pick up something from your students every class you teach, and I think that's huge because. I think like when you start teaching, um, it, it should be like a two way street. Like there should be communication back and forth because if we, and we've talked about this before, like even the most junior person might have something to add. Right. So 
there are criteria you have to hit, especially if you're teaching like for certifications and things like that. But there's also conversation, I think, and that's just as important when it comes to like teaching in in different classes is having conversation and learning that there might be some way that you literally just never heard of because it just wasn't something that, you know, anybody did. And then you find out that this department's been doing it that way since its inception and you share that and it, you know, one of you ends up having an easier way to do something. I mean, um, absolutely. Like um, my favorite thing to teach obviously is the paratech stuff. Um, I'm very fortunate enough on one of my side businesses of selling fire equipment that I get the, um, a paratech rep for Connecticut. But I always take something away from somebody and I, I welcome it, right? There's there's not a single way to do anything. I could go right. out on the highway to the junkyard today and we could lift the truck 10 different ways. And in right. classes, like we have like a curriculum that we follow. We have an outline of how we normally do stuff. And I love when I get a student who's like, hey, can we try this? Absolutely, let's try it. Like and we do it right. a lot of work. We'll go down to the training school and they try to keep enough cars down there for us for cutting stuff up. We have a bunch of big stuff down there where we can go down there and lift. And I think if you're going to do it safely, messing around, it's a lot of fun. Like you're either yeah. going to figure out that that worked or you're going to figure out like we should never do that again. And I've been there. We like we tried something at work one day and it went horribly wrong. And we all looked at each other and we we're like, we're all on the same page that we would never do that on the street or never do that again. Yes, nope, that's yeah, so good. good. <laughs> like, don't want to do that. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. Like it's and I think it's just fun to be hanging around with other firemen like in classes. Yeah. Like it's like minded individuals. They're out there for a reason. Like the Syracuse Heavy Rescue Conference is great uh, with those guys. Guys are coming from all over the country. Like that's they're dedicated. Like they're they're right. into the job, and that's the type of people that I want to hang out with. Have a couple of beers, right. smoke a cigar with them, talk training, um, and maybe in the junkyard they'll show me something. I'm not an expert in anything. Like hands down. Right. Like I no think the way. people that are the best instructors believe that. Yes. I think the, the the ones that go out. I mean, and there are. Don't get me wrong. There are instructors who are absolute experts and they know what they're talking about oh, and they, they know that they are but I, th I think for the majority like people that know that there's always something to still be learning yeah make some of the best instructors absolutely um, like, the way, like the way my brain works like i've taken classes from guys on lifting and they're talking they start talking about stuff and i'm like well how do you remember all that stuff like for me <laughs> right. like before even if, whether i'm doing a class or i'm doing like a sales demo i usually spend like 15 minutes in the parking lot watching like the paratech webinar to make sure that I'm not going to go tell a customer the wrong thing. Because that is one thing about the fire service. If you say something stupid in the class, you're going to get called out for it. Like, Oh yeah. Guys, and I've learned that over the years teaching is that there's guys like me in that class. There's guys there just to do a refresher on it. And if you slip up, they're, right. they're going to know. So like right. I, I try to make sure that I'm squared away. But if also, if you make a mistake, just own it. Like, yeah, you know what? Oh yeah. Yeah. Like, if you try everybody to everybody does work, like you can't yeah. pretend that you're not going to. No, yeah, everybody's going to make mistakes. Yeah, I make plenty of them in my life, whether it's in the fire service, personal life, everywhere. I make mistakes. All oh yeah. So um, well, that so that brings me to the to the next point. I was going to say is you have taken the uh, training outside the department to a different level, and you actually have uh, kind of your own training conference going on now. Yeah, absolutely. So um, my wife uh, talks about how she calls it my baby. And yep. she says how my wife will tell you that I created it for myself for something to do, but she's definitely wrong. Um, <laughs> so I talked before that uh, there's a handful of guys in the South Windsor Fire Department that I go all over the place training with. 
Um, I think all but one of them is a career member now. Uh, the one that's not a career member is probably the smartest one. He's like a mechanical engineer. Like he's way smarter than me with stuff. But um, we went all over the place training and there wasn't really anything in the Connecticut area as far for training. And we liked offering training. Like I used to always start every year with South Windsor with an outside instructor. So I'm not sure which one of us came up with the idea, but we came up with the idea of having like a single day seminar. So the first thing we did, we brought in Chief uh, Isaacson from Florida and yep. he came up and he did his water on the fire program for us. It was like a one day event. Uh, we held it at our high school. Uh, we got a couple of vendors to come in and then when we finished at the end of the day, we went to the local brewery and everybody hung out and we had a great time drinking some uh, some beers and having a good time. And from there, that led into what we now know as uh, South Winter Rescue Weekend. So I kind of came up with an idea in my head of like, let's expand this. Let's make this, let's make this bigger. So the first person I texted was my captain of training, Jared. And I said, hey, man, I got a crazy idea. Like, what do you think if we take what we did last year and make it into a two-day hands-on training seminar with a Saturday night class? And his response to me was absolutely, let's, let's do it couple of texts to my core group and we created the South Winter Rescue Weekend Committee um, and we had our first one um, three years ago. So this one's this year is going to be our fourth and we've expanded every year and made it I think a little bit better and a little bit better. Uh, the first year after that again I came up with another crazy idea of let's add a lecture day. So again I, I texted the, the committee uh, we have a group chat I'm like hey what do you guys think about adding a lecture day on Friday? Everybody loved it, so we, we, we added that to it. Um, I think it's cool that it's small, but it's not small, if that, make, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's, um, it, it's, uh, it's like intimate, but it's not, it's not like tiny. I mean, there's a lot of offerings. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's definitely like, and some of it, like some of, some of the things we have today kind of came about by accident. So the first year that we did the lecture day, I had spoke with uh, Robert O'Donnell, who was the uh, paratech rep in this area, and he had offered to do dinner for us on Saturday night. He was going to barbecue. Um, I think, I don't know, we just, our schedules didn't match up. We had a hard time kind of getting in touch with each other. And then I have a gentleman on my job in New Haven who uh, is a gourmet chef, and he owns a uh, restaurant in Brantford. And he owns a pizza truck. So I talked to him. I'm like, hey, Bill, are you, interested, are you interested in coming up and doing a pizza truck? And he's like, yeah, absolutely. So he got me some prices. And then from there, like two weeks later, I actually got a phone call from Robert. And he's like, hey, I'm all set to come do the barbecue for you for Saturday night. And I was like, oh, boy. Like, I wasn't going to bail on a guy from work who had already committed to it. So it was kind of Robert's idea. He was like, well, what are you doing Friday night? And I was like, nothing. And he's like, let's do a social event on Friday night. So that's how we created the Friday night social event. So if Friday night's a little more laid back. It's after lecture day. We uh, a couple of guys hanging out, some drinks. Uh, we usually have a meal. And then Saturday, turn into the big full day event with the, uh, the night lecture. So it's been a lot of fun. ton of work. A lot of work. Um, that. Yeah. So, and, we, and we've had a really core group of training companies involved from the beginning. So from the beginning, we had a uh, Connecticut Custom Fire Training involved, um, obviously because I, I work for them. So they were going to be the, uh, the top <laughs> ones involved with us. Um, 
Take the Door Training has been involved from the beginning. Another fantastic training outfit. I work yep. for them as well. And then uh, I brought in uh, Corvus Professional uh, to do our rope stuff. It's a gentleman. He works in East Hartford. Uh, he's assigned to uh, Rescue One in East Hartford. Probably one of the smartest guys I've ever met for ropes, uh, Mike Lackman. Uh, he's the guy, like, I, if we do rope training at work, I send him a picture. And yeah. a lot of times he just gives me a thumbs up or I get a thumbs down from him. And I'm like, ooh. <laughs> like, why, why are you giving me a thumbs down, Mike? And he usually um, is usually fine, but he's very uh, nitpicky and he holds me yeah. to a high standard. So it's cool. Um, yeah, it's been a ton of fun. It's, um, and there's guys who have been there every year. Like every yeah. year they come to the seminar. Um, so the first year uh, we had Dan Rinaldi from Providence as our guest speaker. Uh, very good friends with Dan. He's a fantastic guy. Um, and then we had Tim Brown from FDNY, who gave his lecture on 9-11. Uh, yeah. Last year, we had Dan Gordon, uh, Nick Papa, and Paul DiPartimello, who talked about VES for the Saturday night event. And this year, we are very honored to uh, have Al Benjamin, the senior yep. man from Rescue One, coming to speak. Um, and that's going to be really cool to hear him give his talk on the senior man. But yeah, it's 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 cool. And it's uh, nothing that had happened in the area before. And I'm, I'm very proud. I am very, very proud of it. Um, yeah. And I'm just a dude with the crazy idea. And these other guys uh, really made it happen. Um, they work really hard. Uh, I think they work really hard so they don't have to hear from me sometimes, I think. Um, <laughs> like September 5th, uh, April 15th, like they're probably going to shut my number off for a little while. Like they, they, they mute the group chat for a while. They don't want to hear from me. Um, we're at the point now, like where they'll start hearing from me a lot. And I'm sure there's a side group text with them um, where they talk bad about me and they're like, Oh, Tim's got another stupid, crazy idea. And, but they're really good at reining me in too. Like, cause I'll text them, but right. Hey, fellas, I got this idea and I'll just get a bunch of absolutely not. We're not doing that. Don't even think about it. I'm like, okay. Like, no problem, thank you. But then sometimes they're, they're totally into trying something new and, and doing right. different stuff. Like this year, um, we're going to let Dan Gordon barbecue, uh, who owns Flash Fire Industries. Oh, I forgot. I, oh, my God, he's going to kill me. Uh, Flash Fire Industries has also been involved uh, from the beginning as well. Sorry, Dan. Yep. I know we make fun of you a lot, but I'm sorry that I forgot about you. I did not do that on purpose. Um, <laughs> and he's coming in. He's going to barbecue for us on, on Saturday night, and the pizza truck is there Friday night. So. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. And yeah, I'm I'm, uh, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, Tyler uh, Tyler Prater offered uh, offered to bring me in to help out with the Mayday class. Um, so I uh, I wanted to uh, so I held a one day like uh, seminar up here last year. So we're we're trying to do the same thing, or I'm trying to do the same thing up in my area um because there's not a lot so we started with uh just doing like a lecture series and uh happened to schedule it on the same weekend that you had uh rescue weekend scheduled last year so i didn't get to make it down well i remember um, that we talked we talked to a lot of, i think we talked bad about you for a while yeah that's that's fair yeah that's fair <laughs> that's um true. yeah so i had i uh i think i think i had i don't know when i announced it but i didn't realize it was the same weekend and um it definitely it definitely hurt us if that's any consolation to you so there were a lot of people that were already heading down um, or planning to head down to yeah. rescue week in that week. That, so I, I don't know if it's because of how you guys do training in mass, but we have a huge presence from Massachusetts at rescue week. Yeah. Like 
even like the guys from Peabody are always there. Uh, yeah. Brockton, they, like, I think Brockton has six or seven guys coming this year. The Brockton guys go to everything. Oh, uh, I'm actually uh, confidential with a bunch of the Brockton guys. Like we've yeah. started to set up some like private classes. Like we. Oh, I'm sorry. You got you guys just did some uh, some rope stuff with them, right? Yeah, at Quincy at the Quincy Quarries. Wow, Mike Black yeah, and Corvus yeah. taught it. Um, they're really good dudes. <clears throat> they're great. Yeah, great dudes. And they the the training culture of that department is is uh really really good yeah they have it figured out like yeah even, even talking with them too i mean they have the same problems that we have like the, they have their slugs and they have the guys that don't care but yeah they're they're really good dudes so yeah yeah um it was actually i think last year there was a whole bunch of training stuff going on throughout the state like we and, it, and it was marathon it was marathon weekend and it all it all just like a big culmination of a bunch of events in the like new england area yeah all on the same weekend yeah yeah we're really looking forward to having um tyler and those guys in for his class this is a yeah. change for us that we've never done before so your guys class is going to be not in south Windsor. uh right. we're, we're very lucky that i have a good working relationship with um some surrounding towns and we're actually using the glastonbury uh training yep. school or not training school their training building it's like a 20 minute ride from South Windsor, but we're going to try to see if we could, if how that's going to go for us. We've always tried to keep everything right in town. Right. We, we do not have a training building in South Windsor. Uh, when Tyler and Justin approached me, uh, the first time they approached me was last year. They tried to get this class after I had already sent out everything like that. What a, what a way to ask me after I've sent everything out. Um, that so, checks out. Yeah. So they, they started pretty early. For this year and one of the things was it was a non-negotiable they needed a training building right um, so we're trying that and I, I think it'll go okay for us but we're really looking forward to that that class sold out pretty quick yeah i think like, it sold out in like four hours yeah yeah the, the the lifting class sold out in like a half hour yeah like that registration opened at 10 and by like 10 30 uh jerry was texting all of us like hey this got like two spots left yeah, and that to me, crazy. that's like the backbone. That's like the core of Rescue Weekend for us is the lifting class. Yeah. Um, in my opinion, if you're doing a training seminar and you're going to call it rescue anything, there should be some type of vehicle extrication or lifting class. The first year we did our class, we split the uh, Connect Custom class into one day of lifting and one day of extrication. Unfortunately, because it's such a nightmare to get cars, I don't know if we'll ever do extrication again. Um, right. Because we had to get like 20 something cars and then they were in a field in front of the firehouse and people started complaining like they do. And so we, we decided to get away from that. But that's like the core class. Right? I don't think that class right. is ever going to go anywhere. Uh, I keep these classes until they don't sell out. Like we made a few changes this year. Like um, we were pretty successful with uh, Dan Gordon's shoring class. Yep. Last year it was a little slow to sell out. So we changed it up. We put you guys in with the Rick class to see how that goes. Again, uh, we talked before we came on, like the trench class. The trench class still has a ton of spots left. The year before, that class sold out within like the first day. I will never understand registration. But, right. Wild. Yeah. Like um, I got guys that I work with uh, that own Northeast Squad Concepts, and yep. they do a uh, anniversary burn every year in uh, memory of Rico Torres, who we lost. And I, I've talked to them too, and they're like, I don't understand. Like sometimes, like one year, it took forever to sell out, and then the next year, it was gone in like a couple months. I'll never understand the registration world. Like, right? It's it. You have to like try to pick that training subject that's hot for the year. Right. So 
And, and the one thing and that have I have enough, and have enough things to, to make up for it. So if it doesn't sell out, you're not like completely out on your own. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, it was funny. Gordon was kind of like breaking my chops the other day because, uh, we obviously have the hazmat guys, uh, from FDNY coming to do their, uh, their lithium ion class. And Dan was like, I bet you never thought you would be having a hazmat class at your seminar. And I was like, <laughs> honestly, I probably would four years ago, I would have told you not a chance, but because it's so popular right now, I shouldn't right. say popular. Like these lithium ion fires are coming Necessary. around. Everybody's dealing with them. Like, right. Lecture day is big this year, and I blame it, not blame it. I account it to those guys being there because that's such a hot topic. Um, yeah. We normally have like 80 people at lecture day. I think we're up to like 120 already who are coming. Wow, that's to awesome. Day. Like the whole seminar full is like 160 to 170 people in attendance. So it's, it's that's really awesome. Cool. I'm really proud of it. And again, it was one of those things too, like the chief um, – I came, obviously I had to go to chief with this crazy plan and I'm very lucky that the chief has never really told me no here for right. most things. Um, and I think he's, he's pretty proud of it too. Cause it definitely put the South under fire burn on the map. Like there's right. people coming from all over. I don't know the farthest student we have coming this year. I haven't seen the registration yet, but I believe last year we had somebody from Ohio that came. Wow. Um, so it's pretty cool to see. It's pretty cool to see how successful it is. And yeah, that's and awesome. it's not, a lot of people don't understand it's not a fundraiser for us. Like none of this money goes back to the South Indoor Fire Department. It is strictly uh, something that we created for like-minded individuals to get together, to train, have a good time, have some laughs, uh, meet some people. And we make a charitable donation every year. So this year we picked uh, Parkinson's uh, research. Yep. Uh, and we try to pick something that's important to all of us, like um, this year we picked Parkinson's. My senior, my chauffeur and my father um, have Parkinson's. Yep. So we decided we did, we're going with that. And um, another couple of guys that I know here, their family members have Parkinson's. We'll usually try to pick something that's relevant to somebody that's close to us. We try to pick that chair. That's awesome, man. Yeah, like a lot of people think it's like a fundraiser for us. And it's not, a, we are, we are, the, the South Linder Firebrand is heavily funded by the town of South Linder. So it's yep. not a fundraiser. So um, there's still spots open in Trench Rope. There's one spot left in uh, the burn on Sunday. So if people are interested, if you go on the South Linder Firebrand Facebook page, there's a uh, link to the Eventbrite or whatever it's called, uh, registration. And yep. the lecture day is we're doing it at the high school this year because everybody was so mad at me uh, for doing it inside the firehouse for the last two years. Because uh, of the echo, we coordinated it with the town, and we're letting us do it during uh, April vacation. So they're going to let us use the auditorium, which is cool. So awesome. we have plenty of, plenty of seats for that. So Awesome. Looking forward to it. So, so. South, Windsor, uh, South Windsor Fire Facebook page, the link is on there if you're interested in still signing up. Yep. And then make sure you follow it so that you can sign up next year and the year after and the year after. Yeah, like uh, the guys know, like I'm already starting to plan like 2025. Like we I, think you have, I think you have to when you have something that big. It's, oh, you have to. It's like, constant. I can't even imagine what it's like to like run fire uh, FDIC or like Firehouse oh, yeah. Expo. I, I didn't know the Firehouse Expo was still a thing. Um, but like FDIC, I can't even imagine what it's like to run. We, we're running this small town conference in South Windsor with three or four training classes with 170 people involved. And it's a ton of work. I can't imagine what running a large seminar like that 
his life. Right. So it's, I, I was never like, just not something that I was good at. Like it was just something like a crazy idea I had. It's been a learning experience. Like we've made mistakes. Um, I think last year the chief wanted to kill me when it came to the budget and the accounting. Like he, <laughs> we had a meeting and he was like, I need all like the, everything, the checks. And I was like, huh? Like, oh, that was like the first year. I'm like, I was supposed to keep all that stuff. And he was like, oh my God. Like, <laughs> he's like the town accountant and like the fire commissioner is going to kill me when I go, when I go meet with them. So I've learned that. And again, J Jared, J Jared on a committee is very good with the computer stuff. So he's kind of taken over. Like we use Google spreadsheets for everything now. So it's, it's pretty cool to be doing that. Stuff. So it's awesome. It's awesome. Um, well, I appreciate you coming on, man. I think, uh, I think, that's a lot of good, uh, good information. I always love talking training and finding, yeah. like I said, like-minded people and, um, and then spreading that. And I think rescue weekend is a hell of a way to, to be spreading that, uh, and bringing people in, you know, like I said, I think it's cool to get outside of your, not only your department, but your city, your, your state, and even your like geographic region. So I'm, pr I'm pretty excited to be coming down this year. It should be yeah, a good time. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. We're going to have a good time and just, um, Guys, get out, get out there and train. Support your local training conferences. Support your local fire schools. There's so much training out there. Uh, support your your training divisions in, in your departments. That's it's being a training officer. Um, a lot of times you feel underappreciated. So like, if you're mad at your training boss, your training chief, like remember he's got a stressful job. So right. don't, uh, don't don't hate him. Like he, he <laughs> a lot of them are probably doing their best to make you better at your job and to make you uh, the department look better. So Work with them. Don't work against them. Um, I need to remember that sometimes as well. Um, but those guys most of the time have really good intentions. So support support anything training. And if you're chief officers, support your guys. If you're a chief of department, support your guys out there training. Pay for your guys to go to training. Support that. More than just EMS training. So Support anything training. That might be the title of the episode right there, support buddy. Support anything training. I like it. I like it. I like so, it. I like it. All right, guys. Um, I appreciate you coming on. We're uh, we're a little bit over an hour here, so we'll wrap it up. And uh, if you haven't already, go check out South Windsor. Um, if you're interested in sign up for any of the classes that are still available for South Windsor Rescue Weekend, um, you can find that on their Facebook page. Um, and uh, Cap, it was uh, awesome having you on. I really appreciate it. Hopefully, uh, maybe not the uh, the last time. No, I, I appreciate you having me on. I hope we hit everything. I hope people listen to it and they don't think we're full of shit. And but so I appreciate it. There's always going to be somebody. Always oh, be. Yeah. Listen, guys at my job are going to be like that guy. She, yeah. She's on air again talking nonsense. So, I, well, I think I think uh, <clears throat> real quick, I think that's one of the, the things about doing this is like there's always like this weird pressure to never have a bad day. Because like you said, if you slip up in a class, right, somebody's going to call you out. Like oh, you yeah. come on here and you say, oh, we train. And then you don't you know, you don't have a training day. And they're like, you don't train every, you know. So, oh, absolutely. So it's like always like this pressure to perform. It's like the guy who, who was on a couch most of his career as a private and then he became an officer and he started barking orders for training. Guys are going to be like, I don't think so. Right. So right. I try to be honest, but yeah. <laughs> Again, yeah, thank you so much for having me on and uh, hopefully we you guys will come out and support uh, Rescue Weekend. But if you don't yep. want to support Rescue Weekend, there's a lot of stuff out there. So yeah. a lot of training companies. Support anything training. Support anything training. So. <laughs> All right, bye. All right, thank guys, you. Thanks for tuning in and uh, we'll catch you in two weeks.